This week, we check out a new adventure trailer from Winnebago Towballs called The Hiking. The new F-150 has been announced, and it's got some cool new features that RVers are sure to enjoy. A new campground is being considered for the Zion National Park area with a ridiculous number of spaces. Plus, we have the answers to your Ask Us Anything questions. This is RV Miles. L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. That's why they design products that make it easier to take longer walks, have deeper talks, and never worry about the weather. Discover clothing, outerwear, footwear, and gear made for every type of adventure with the outside built right in. Because on the inside, we're all outsiders. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean. Welcome to episode 151 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. we got a huge show today, so I just want to sort of dive into a couple news items that have come out recently. Um, the first one just blows my mind. How many sites do you think the typical campground has? Like 100 maybe? Less? A little bit more? In a large one? It depends. There are some state parks that can have upwards of 400 sites in them. It just kind of depends. But that to me is a really big park kind of pushing the limit of how many people I want to be camping with at one time. How would you feel about a campground outside of Zion National Park that has 3,000 spaces? Hard pass. 3,000 spaces. <laughs> One million dollars. There is there uh, is a new resort, no. a glamping resort, they're calling it, that's being considered uh, for the, actually for the north end of Zion National Park. It's, it's not very popular. It's not visited very often because it's like an hour and a half outside of the main area to go out and around to get to the Kolob Canyons area. So it's not very busy. But it's a beautiful area. Right. We have heard that that section of the park rivals yeah. the really popular section where the visitor center and campgrounds are. This glamping resort is being considered by a, a land developer there and nobody knew about it. Not the National Park, not the Water Reclamation District who's like, how are you going to provide water to this place? How about Utah? Was Utah aware of the it? Way, the way it was very, kept very quietly, the way people found out about it is there was a sign on the road in this very remote area stapled to a tree or something that said there's going to be a community meeting about this coming up soon and that spread like wildfire but they're considering 3,000 sites for rvs uh they're going to have yurts they're going to have tiny homes they're going to have cabins made out of shipping containers that all sounds really cool two or three hundred sites maybe <laughs> yeah that all sounds great uh i'd like to take about mm, oh i don't know 10 percent of that and make that a workable campground i'd also really like to and this is probably going to be uh not a well-received comment uh, can we be done with the word glamping? Can we just be done with it? Can I, we just uh, stop trying to make camping some sort of 
unaccessible experience. Like the idea that in order to glamp, it just sort of brings about this financially wealthy sort of status that you have a lot of money, that you need the finer things in life. And it makes camping feel unaccessible to the everyday individual I'm going to stop right there. I don't mind when people use it about themselves as a positive word, but when people say you're not, you know, if you're an RVer, when people say you're not camping, you're glamping, that's, it's pejorative and I'm not a fan of that. But Well, I, it implies that, you know, it's accessible to the Kardashians yeah. <laughs> now. Now, if the Kardashians are going to go out into nature, they're going to glamp. But I think the thing is now that, that glamping is is starting to become a term that is really, especially in the campground industry, being specifically applied to like these fancy tents that are set up with, you know, a poster bed yeah, and they have, a kitchen and all that sort of stuff. They have everything you tents. need. Yes, yeah. they have everything yeah. you need. It's just inside of a tent. and But often the price tag is also a lot more expensive than even getting a hotel room right. or renting a cabin <laughs> there you I go mean, let's just keep it accessible people <laughs> hey the new f-150 has been announced and this is kind of wild i'm super excited about this because uh the new f-150 finally is a serious hybrid engine on a pickup truck and i've been saying this for quite a while that a hybrid engine is so perfect for pickup trucks because you get the benefit of the power of that engine when you're towing. Then you park at your campground, you leave your trailer behind, then you get the benefit of the electric side of it and you don't need all that power and you can save a lot of fuel mileage. So Ford is, is the new F-150 is going to have that option. But what I love about this is actually the hybrid engine the, of the engines available in, in the series of, of trucks that they're offering this coming year for 2021, the F-150 hybrid engine is going to be the most powerful engine in the class. So it's really going to be something that people are looking to get because basically what they're doing is taking the regular EcoBoost engine. They're not putting some engine that's sort of modified to have electricity. They're, they're taking the regular EcoBoost engine and basically slapping an electric motor on top of it. So you've got the best of both worlds. I think it's a fantastic idea. Plus, this truck has awesome other features, like you can use it basically as a generator. I'm reading the article right now, um, What and we'll link to it in the show notes for anyone that wants to look at it themselves. What I'm trying to look for as I'm skimming through this, and maybe you just covered it and I missed it, what's the tow capacity? The tow capacity is up to... 12,000 pounds in, wow. the, in that, in that uh, hybrid version, 12,000 pound tow capacity. Uh, I don't know what the cargo capacity is going to be yet, but that built-in generator is going to offer up to 7,200 watts of power, depending on the options you pick. That's a lot of power. So basically you're turning your truck on and using that as your generator. So it's a great option for people who don't use generators a whole lot, but every now and then they want to be able to use the generator to charge their batteries or to be able to do some some short burnt boondocking or whatever. Um, you are going to use the fuel in your tank, but uh, they're saying this thing without without towing is going to have a range of like seven to eight hundred miles. Oh 
for a gas engine. That's pretty rare in pickup trucks. It's it's wow. completely rare. It's non-existent so unless you have an external gas tank. The interior also looks fantastic. The exterior looks really nice and sleek. It doesn't look very boxy. Jason, would you call this a game changer? <laughs> Maybe. The Maybe. center cons <laughs> the center console can change into a table. So oh, you could be my. like if you're if I I'm driving and you're where you set your laptop there, that's exactly what it's built for is, is job site. People put their laptop there. Um, and the tailgate can be a work surface as well. There's an option where you put the tailgate down and it can be like a, a really sturdy work surface. So I, I think it's a really cool thing. I think we're going to see a lot of changes coming to all pickup trucks. They are the best selling vehicles out there right now. And we're going to see a lot more competition happening over the course of the next several months. Now, as the the new uh, half ton series are introduced and then towards the end of, end of the year is when the new uh, three quarter and and one ton series will be introduced in all the major brands. So we're going to see a lot of cool stuff happening. And really, in about a year, we're going to see electric pickup trucks. And we're going to see what that looks like. Let's just hope they can figure out how to price these so I don't have a heart attack exactly. when you come to me. And oh, like, man, I priced a truck the other day. That uh, uh, the it other was $80,000, and I was like, oh, okay. What are you pricing <laughs> trucks for? Oh, just for fun. Oh, well, I can find other things for you to do that are fun. <laughs> hey, we want to give a quick shout-out to our friend Janine Pettit, who runs Girl Camper, the Girl Camper podcast, and uh, the Girl Camper uh, website. And a Girl Camper is now going to be a quarterly glossy magazine. So that's exciting. That's very yeah. exciting. What a really cool step because I love magazines. I do too. I love the art of getting the magazine in the mail. Now, I know you like to go back to front. Longtime listeners will know. Yes. I, I open them uh, from the back and I the, page through the other way. The correct way, <laughs> the front to back option <laughs> is how I like to read a magazine. And so I think it's very cool that they are entering into the magazine arena and just bringing uh, more camping and especially empowering women to camp. We'll keep up to date to that. I don't know if you know when that's supposed to the first issue. Is supposed I, to I believe that I believe this fall. Oh, very cool. That's just yeah. right around the corner. So congrats, Janine. Uh, we really look forward to it. It's also going to be, of course, available in digital form for those of you that travel a lot. The RV Miles Podcast is supported by Harvest Hosts. Get back on the road again safely with a Harvest Hosts membership. Enjoy wide open RV camping on over a thousand wineries, farms, breweries, museums, and other unique attractions that invite RVers to visit and stay overnight for free. Plus, you're supporting local businesses who need help right now. RV Miles listeners can save 15% off a Harvest Host membership with code MILES. That's MILES for 15% off your Harvest Host membership. And by Amazon Camper Force. Get on the road with Amazon Camper Force. Amazon has work camper jobs that offer competitive wages and paid campground fees up to $550 per month. Earn completion bonuses and be a part of a community that'll keep you coming back year after year. Go to amazon.com slash camper force miles to learn more and choose your site today. That's amazon.com slash camper force miles. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. We'll link to Harvest Hosts and Amazon Camper Force in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 151. 
one. It's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. Someone has stolen Beethoven's wig. You remember this one? Oh, it's been my favorite one. 151 uh, episodes in, and this is the piece de resistance. And has put it in one of four locked boxes. The boxes are numbered one, two, three, four in that order. There are four different keys that each have their own color. Use the clues below to figure out which key goes in which box and to find the box where Beethoven's wig is being kept. The green key goes to the third or fourth box. The wig is to the left of the fourth box. The wig is to the right of the first box. The yellow key is to the left of the wig. And the blue key is to the right of the yellow key and to the left of the green key. The red key goes in the first box. And the answer, if you sussed all that out, is that the wig is in the third box. The red key goes to the first box. The yellow key goes to the second. The blue key goes to the third. And the green key goes to the fourth. My apologies to Beethoven. We'll have a new brain teaser later on in the show. <laughs> so some 85% of all the RVs sold out there are travel trailers. And if you're shopping for one, you might often start to find that they really start to blend together quite a bit. And that's why I've always been so impressed with Winnebago's ability to sort of stand out from the crowd. So today we have Adam Christofferson, product manager uh, for Winnebago Towables, to talk about their sort of new entry into the sort of small, uh, nimble adventure trailer. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. Pleasure to be here, and we're grateful that you invited us here to chat a little bit. So we're here to talk about the hike, which is uh, it's new for 2020, right? Correct. Yeah, we debuted it uh, at a concept prototype phase about 10 months or so ago uh, in September at the open house event last year. And you were probably looking to show it off it uh, quite a bit more this year, but haven't been able to very much, I'm sure, with the, all the cancellations of RV shows. Yeah, you know, we, uh, we, we went into like the mass production of it um, right around that January, February time frame, started shipping. We made a big splash in March uh, at Palm Springs at our dealer meeting. And then literally the, the meeting ended on a Friday and Saturday, the world shut down. And so we kind of had to put a pause on shipping and um, dealers shut down. So we couldn't really, you know, get, get retail exposure on it for a while. So what exactly is the hike? What makes it different from other Winnebago trailers? So the hike, like you said earlier, it, it's our entry level or our entrance into that outdoor adventure or active lifestyle. You know, we've, We've always had lightweight, nimble towables with our Winnie Drop, Mini Drop, Micro Mini, but um, now with the um, patented exoskeleton that we have on there uh, and the changing of the graphics and really promoting that um, big bold W that everybody knows for that stands for Winnebago, sleek automotive graphics, it, it just really catches your eye as being different. Like you said, it's not just a traditional uh, laminated or sticking tin travel trailer on a dealer's lot it, with the teardrop style and the patented exoskeleton it really just catches your attention so the exoskeleton is it is by far the coolest part now this is a podcast we have some people watching on video but most people are listening so let's let's describe for them what what you mean by an exoskeleton on a travel trailer 
Absolutely. So the, the hike is a traditional teardrop style. So it doesn't have a flat roof line and a flat rear end. So it's going to be more of a teardrop style uh, with radius rear and radius front. Um, a lot of traditional travel trailers or even B vans um, out there, they, they put roof rack systems on there where our patented exoskeleton has um, e-coated aluminum framing that wrap not only the, the roof, but it protrudes down and wraps a lot, take, it takes the shape of the profile of the front and the rear, uh, as well as having kind of a, a Nerf bar system on the bottom that's actually integrated directly into the frame itself. So you have the ability to mount things on the roof, you have the ability to tie things on the rear or front radius, or you have the ability to strap things on the Nerf bars that surround the base or the bottom that are tied into the frame. So it's a good way to bring all your your toys, your your kayaks, your fishing poles, all your sort of adventure gear. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we've got, you know, the, the toolie systems, the, the bike racks, the ski racks, everything plug and play right onto that exoskeleton, as well as we've got that inch and three quarter accessory hitch that's built into the frame on the rear. So you can you know, put a, uh, put a spare tire carrier back there or, a you know, a, a aftermarket bike rack back there as well. So the exoskeleton really makes the hike look different uh, than any other trailer out there, but what are some of the other features that make it sort of more adventure ready? So we use a torsion axle versus a leaf spring axle. So in a torsion, it almost acts like independent suspension. So you're going off of a bump on a bumpy road, um, you know, the one axle is going to go down, side of the axle is going to go down versus kind of jockeying the whole trailer. We have a larger 15-inch off-road tire versus a 14-inch or 15-inch just road tire. And then we actually have an axle lift kit on there that, that raises the whole trailer up, um, included with the 15-inch tire. It raises it up about four and a half inches than traditional trailers. So if you are getting off the beaten path, you've got more ground clearance or steeper departure angles. It gets your plumbing lines and your drain hoses or your plumbing up higher so you're not catching them on anything that you if you're taking it off road as well. Um, and then up front, we have a, a powder coated aluminum uh, kind of an LP battery gear storage box. So traditionally, you get your propane tank with the plastic cover mounted to the A-frame and then your batteries get mounted right behind there on the A-frame. So we took this multi-use uh, gearbox and it's got a diamond plate look to it. So it's got a kind of a cool, aggressive look. And we've got it properly vented for uh, propane tanks. It will fit two 20-pound uh, propane tanks, which is nice because the 20-pound you can just take to any you know store or gas station and do an exchange. And then it's got room for two batteries in there, as well as additional room for some gear storage. So, you know, or if somebody doesn't need the propane or the batteries and they want to go a different route, then they can just have that 100% gear storage up front. So we talked about the teardrop shape, but this is not sort of a, a typical like little one bed only space teardrop trailer. There's there's some more room in here. It's not huge. Uh, it's sort of a, a great size. Talk about the different um, the different sizes and floor plan options yep. and weights and all that. So we have five models, three being uh, single axle and two being dual axle. The single axles are just over 20 feet in overall length, and the dual axles are just over 25 feet in overall length. 
the overall width is going to be about six and a half feet. Um, so your traditional laminated travel trailer is eight feet wide, um, but this is going to be six and a half feet wide to help keep that narrow, helps keep the weight down. Also, you know, targeting some of those mid-range SUVs, you don't need all the accessories on your mirrors to see around it. Um, the overall interior height is a little over six feet. So like you said, it's not like a three foot one where you're crawling in on your hands and knees. So me being six foot one, I can actually fully stand up in here and, and enjoy. Now we'll have all dry bath floor plans on the hike. Um, we do not have any of the, the wet baths or the cassette toilets on this model. Um, we will have, you know, nice two person dinettes that can, you know, convert into sleeping for one person. We've got, uh, you know, twin beds in there, uh, you know, a twin bed, like, a. You know, the, the dimension, you know, is 54 by 74, so you can sleep two people. In the dual axle units, we've got, you know, standard U-dinettes that can comfortably seat three to four adults. Um, so, again, a lot of value into this, you know, compact teardrop-style trailer. Well, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited about seeing one of those on the road or seeing them hopefully in person at some point when – when things clear up a bit. Uh, Adam Christofferson of, of Winnebago, thanks for talking to us today about the Winnebago hike. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Jason. So one of our favorite places on the internet is the RV Miles Facebook group. We are really happy with the group we've got there and the wonderful people that are there to answer your questions if you have them and to chat with us about all things RVing and and help us figure out all the challenging things and the times that are happening right now. Uh, and we talk about spam, <laughs> the great British baking show. <laughs> And currently Lucy Lights as well. I love that Lucy Lights keep popping back up into the group because they really are one of our favorite camping gear products we've ever really talked about. And I just love that they keep popping up every once in a while. So we asked in the group, we asked if you could ask us anything, what would you ask us? So we asked this both in the group and we asked this on our our Wandering Family Facebook page, which is where we share our sort of personal travel blog that's not sort of industry related. So we hope you'll check us out there as well. But we wanted to answer some of these questions for you here on the podcast today. There are a lot of them, so we're going to kind of just rapid fire them. And I want to kick off with Howard Tendler. Howard has been with us from like day one. Howard has, has been a longtime listener and we're really happy to have him here every week. Hello, Howard. And he always, almost always, answers the brain teaser he does he plays along with you every <laughs> single week and howard has a lot of questions here in his one little paragraph so um he says i know you went full-time because the rent was so high if you found a place to rent that was reasonable would you rent again so let's start there uh and say probably yes. <laughs> probably i mean I, I did that's not the only reason though i mean we didn't rent. I mean, we could have rented somewhere else easily cheaper. I mean, outside of Chicago, for sure. Oh, sure. I mean, we would have had to leave Chicago. And that yeah. was a, that was not an option for me personally. Yeah. If I was leaving Chicago, I was leaving. I wasn't going to the suburbs. Yeah. Um, yes, we are never just a, a one and done. 
uh, family. Uh, Jason and I certainly are always open to new experiences and new possibilities. And as we travel the country, we're always keeping our eye open for where would we like to land someday. Yeah. And if the price was right, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's not like part. Of, it's not like part of the active plan right now. But one day, um, we'll be back in a house. I'm sure he wants to know if we would buy a house or if we'd rent again. And I'm, you know, I'm not sure. Who knows? I'm not sure. Stick around. Yeah. We'll yeah. find out. Yeah, uh, we're, <laughs> we knows? we play, pretty much play that loosely. I mean, I like running. I like the fact that somebody else deals with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like to build up equity in a home. So, Jim would like to know between Abby and myself, which one is the planner? Who suggests where to go? The cities, the parks, the campgrounds, and what to attend? And how much input do the kids have? And how often do I told you so moments happen? <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. So when it comes to where are we going to go, we tend to make that decision together. We talk it out. We look at our route. A lot of times it's influenced by somewhere we have to be later down the line, uh, be it family or uh, an engagement. Um, But then when it comes to really sussing it out, like where we're going to camp, That generally falls to Jason. He seems to be the master of the two of us in finding those hidden gym campsites that for whatever reason, I just get into the interwebs and it just feels like I just get lost there. Now, that said, last night, you just booked several campgrounds for us. You did did. all that on your own. But they were places we had been to and I had a like I knew we just wanted to stay at Bluebell. So I was just looking there, whereas opposed to saying we want to go to this area and then trying to figure out how to make that work yeah. for us. And a lot of times because we're such late planners, we're having to piece things together and you're just a little bit better at that than I am for sure. We don't, when it comes to travel, have a lot of I told you so moments. We no, certainly haven't no. told you so moments we, in other yeah. aspects of our life. Don't <laughs> yeah. get me wrong. Not in travel, though. But not in travel. And the kids absolutely have a lot of say in it. You know, now, not necessarily what city we're going to go to. Sometimes that just has to be the grown up decision. But certainly, once we get, especially if it's an urban environment, once we get in there, we certainly take their interests and their wants into consideration. I don't always go to museums for my health. Yeah. You it's, know, it's, I've, <laughs> I've been to a lot of children's museums in this country and they're awesome, but I wasn't going there for me. <laughs> now, it's not usually that formal, like we ask them where they want to go, but when we go somewhere and we realize what they're liking, we may do more of that. Now, I will say when we are in an area, Abby does more of the deciding what we're going to do on what day and when when we're there what we're what trails we're going to do in a national park that sort of stuff yeah i find the pizza parlors yeah you know places yeah. like that for but, sure but you know we have to be honest i mean we have three kids and if we all sat down and and we let everyone sort of have their say like when we just try to decide on where to go for a restaurant oh that's eat, hard we got to a point where we finally said no more we're not giving people options anymore <laughs> this is where we're going because we think we're picking something that all five of us are totally down with and there's going to be that one rogue that one kid that goes rogue on us and then another one's going to jump ship because they saw the other one go rogue and the next thing i know i'm yelling we're just doing whatever i say we're doing 
So I just I just beat us to that <laughs> section of the day. Our kids eat it. like four different things. So as long as that restaurant serves those things, they can deal with the fact right. that we're choosing what the other things on the menu are going to be for us. Thinking of opening a restaurant? Please put pizza and chicken fingers on your menu. Great. Thank you. All right. Ashley wants to know how we organize our RV and what do we put where and why. Um, I have moved stuff around in my camper more times than I can count. Would be nice to see what you think works in a certain space in the trailer. And I think we're in the exact same boat as you, Ashley. Uh, yes and no. I don't move a whole lot of stuff around. I'm constantly... Anymore. Anymore. I, I'm constantly uh, going through and reevaluating what we have and what we need and what we don't need because our life in this RV is always shifting. And of course, I really do live by the one thing in, one thing out rule. I think that is so incredibly important. And I think really if you if you find that you everything is shifting around a lot and you're really struggling to put things where they belong, that might be a sign that maybe you have too much. And I don't mean that in a negative way because that was something we certainly had an issue with when we moved out of the bus and into the trailer because we lost so much space. We lost the option to have so much more stuff with us. And that was really, really hard for me. I will say I do 100% of the organizing and putting us back into this space every time we move out of it. Like it's just sort of my world and I kind of know where everything is. And sometimes that's not always the greatest thing because then nobody else knows where it's at. But that was one thing I really had to stop and ask myself some of these things just, they can't come with us. And when we moved out for that long time over the holidays after Jason was uh, needed to have that third surgery, I had to go through again and do another reevaluation. Yeah, you know, uh, we often just deal with it too. I mean, the fact that we store stuff in our bathtub or yes. that we have to get all of our podcast equipment out from under this dinette that we're sitting on right now. It's a big pain, but you get used to it. You get though. used to it. Yeah, it takes yeah, time, but what so else are you going to do? You're probably asking, what do you mean you store stuff in your bathtub? Well, that's where I keep our laundry basket because there's nowhere to put laundry in here. There's no dedicated laundry space. So I have one of those collapsible laundry baskets. Two of those. Two of them. <laughs> three. We have three laundry <laughs> three. baskets. <laughs> well, we're a family of five. And what I do is I rotate it out. The dirty one zips up. And I'm talking one of the tubular um, circular ones that you buy at Walmart. Zip that up. It goes into the back of the truck. That's my laundry for that week. The new one goes into the tub. That's the dirty laundry for that week. So it's always a puzzle piece. But, you know, it's just something that comes with this life. And as long as you just take a breath and accept it and, and, and try to find the joy in it, then, you know, you get used to it over time. Mark would like to know if we know any part timers that are out for like six to eight weeks at a time. And how do they maintain their homes while they're traveling? There are lots of RVers that travel mm -hmm. like just in the summer. Um, and most of them do a combination of things. So often they'll have their neighbors or their family members come and check on their house and get their mail or they'll do mail stops. Some of them use mail forwarding services like we do. Um, they might have family members come mow their lawn and stuff like that. Uh, or they'll hire a lawn service to come and, and mow their lawn. And you can certainly do that. Um, but it, it is, it, it's a big combination of stuff, but usually it's, 
somebody that you trust to come check on your house. And of course, a lot of people also do use camera security systems nowadays. They're getting a lot cheaper and a lot easier to set up. And then you can sort of go on your phone and check anytime, you know, somebody rings your ring doorbell at your house and you're 3000 miles away, you can see who it is. So that that kind of technology is is really useful for people that travel sporadically. Kelly would like to know if our food and grocery budget changed when we went full time and do we eat out more or less on the road than we did in our apartment. So I will link in the show notes for this a video we did about how we grocery shop on the road as a full time family because I talk a lot about how we use the region that we're in and how we buy seasonally a lot more than we ever did before to keep our budget down. That's the biggest way we keep our budget down. Now we're living in a new normal for the Uppersons right now with COVID-19, meaning that before COVID-19, we really enjoyed a good restaurant. Okay, we loved going into new communities and trying out their pizza, trying out their local fare, trying out their chain restaurants. We did not discriminate when it came to eating out. That has completely changed for us. We're cooking at home way more than we ever have on the road. And that has definitely changed our budget. And it has also changed the way we look at food, use food. I mean, we've done a complete 180 almost in just the last three months. Our food budget has actually gone down though. Yeah. And, and you that's because we're not eating out as much. When we lived in Chicago, we didn't, we didn't go to a ton of restaurants. We did go to restaurants for sure, but we ordered delivery oh. a lot. Oh. Um, so I don't know if there was a big change from the two. Uh, no. Obviously, being in Chicago, groceries were ex- more expensive there than a lot of the places we go to. But, you know, you get to some of those like rural uh, National Park Gateway communities, the groceries can get real expensive real quick in some of those areas. I will never forget how expensive groceries were in Springdale outside of Zion. And I ended up being like, this is this is crazy. I can't shop for a family of five here. And I ended up having to make like a 40 minute drive to a more reasonable grocery store. Living in Chicago, I knew delivery drivers by name. Yeah. Okay. Like we had our people that brought us food that asked about our children. <laughs> like when they came to the door, that's the beauty of living in an urban environment in a city like that is that the food scene is so rich. I don't, I do miss the delivery. Laura would like to know how much time do we like to stay in one spot? Oh, well now we love three (laughs) months at least. So we really love using federal and state parks. And most of those have a 14 day limit. If we can get it, we will almost always book that entire 14 day limit if it is available to us. Um, And generally, we would like to have at least two weeks in an area because because we're full time and we're not traveling like we're vacationers. You know, if we're parked outside of a national park, that doesn't mean we're going and spending all day every day in that park. We're doing a lot of work. The kids are doing schoolwork, all that sort of stuff. We're just living life. Yeah. We're living so, life. And that's exhausting to be on a vacation 24-7, 365. I mean, it's exhausting to come home from a two-week vacation. So I have to say, clearly, we've been slow traveling since March. This is only the second campground we have been to in almost four months, and This is going to be a really hard transition if we start moving back to faster travel because we're getting into places now and we're sitting for four, five, six weeks and we're really sort of developing a life inside this campground here, but then also within the community and really stretching out when we go and do things. So 
right now we're really slow. And I think that that's going to be sort of our theme for most of 2020. We have a little bit of travel coming up that's going to move us quicker than we have in a while. But I do think for 2020, at least, we're going to try and stay somewhere for a month at a time and then really stay in states much longer than we really ever have as well. Yeah. And that might mean swapping campgrounds, but still being in the same area yeah. or, you know, the one of the only ways that we can really afford private campgrounds is getting monthly rates, which are way cheaper than a nightly rate. Yeah. So if we are staying in a private campground, we often do try to book a monthly rate when possible. Uh, Jonathan would like to know how we prepare for emergencies. Do we have plans in place to deal with contingencies while camping, like medical kits for personal injury, um, identifying shelter from severe weather or tornado, a route plan in case of fire, phone numbers for local fire emergency, etc. This is going to be a do as we say, not as we do scenario. Uh, we're, we should be a lot better about this. We should. Now, um, that said, we do have a MyMedic kit that we keep with us in the truck at all times. And this kit is, it is loaded. You could perform surgery with it and it's yes. still small. You in Don't fact, settle for a $20 sample pack first aid kit. Just no. don't. And in fact, we're going to link in the show notes, rvmiles.com slash 151, the gear guide. I think we had this on either our 2018 or 2019 gear guide. And I'm going to drop it in there so you can see it. It's really reasonably priced. We keep it in the truck with us at all times. And then we also carry smaller uh, bandages and, and things like that. Just smaller things might be needed if we're out on a trail in our backpacks. When it comes to knowing what the route is for a, a natural disaster. Let's talk about tornadoes for an example. We've had a couple of instances where we have been at campgrounds where severe weather has rolled in and we almost always identify the nearest bathhouse or structure, sound structure that's not this RV. You do not stay in the RV. Most campgrounds in areas that get tornadoes are required to have a building to be designated as a tornado shelter. Sometimes that's the main building. Sometimes it's a bathhouse. Sometimes it's a business across the street. So they'll often have that on their information. And as far as like knowing like who to call for 911 and all that sort of stuff, we generally, the check-in sheet that you get in the campground We'll generally put that on our fridge mm -hmm. so that we've got the information. So if you're calling 911 and you need to tell them exactly where you are, sometimes you you don't even remember the name of your campground, you know, <laughs> or like your site number, that sort of stuff. Well, you're just in a panic. Yeah, yeah. So you've got that right there to to see if you have to call 911, something like that. And often they have emergency information on those sheets as well. So that's helpful to have. Yeah. So I will say that in the time we have been RVing and for all of you who've been listening for almost 151 episodes, you know that we have lived through a medical emergency in which we found out that, you know, with Jason and when he had that brain infection, you know that we just recently lived through a wildfire that was maybe two, three miles tops from us. And we were definitely going through our head. What are the steps to get out of here? And how quickly do those things need to happen before we just abandon the RV and get out of here? Those were in place. That was the wheels were turning in my head and I was packing up emergency bags. You also know that we've lived through 
some crazy natural disaster weathers. When we were in Biloxi, Mississippi, there was a storm that was coming in that people were shutting down and getting kids out of school. And we made the decision not to stay in the campground that night. We went to a hotel instead because we felt we could be safer. So we have uh, had a lot of different experiences where we have uh, thankfully not been in a position where we haven't been able to keep a, a level head and get through it. But, you know, that is always something you have to keep in the back of your head at all times. Like, how do I react to this if X, Y, Z goes down? Cheryl would like to know how we handle being away from family and friends in places you used to call home. And then how do we divvy up RV and travel related responsibilities? And then on a lighter note, our favorite breweries we visited. (laughs) Um, Boy, we We actually see family more since we've been on the road than when we were in Chicago because we didn't have family in Chicago. Flip side, we don't see our Chicago friends, which are our family, as much as we would like to because we just don't get back there as often. But the kids, I do believe, the kids and ourselves have been able to develop deeper relationships with family members, grandparents and siblings because aunts and uncles, because we can go to them. And we have the freedom to stay as long as they would like to have us. And so that's been fantastic. We have family and friends in all the, over the, country. the Carolinas, in Tennessee, in Florida, in Texas, in Illinois, all over the place. Yeah, if they could all just get to one place, that'd be really great. <laughs> <laughs> as for breweries, uh, the one we just went to the other night, we just had a really great experience. Our first real restaurant since we had this whole thing with COVID had started our first restaurant with our kids. It was a wonderful outdoor experience at Ska Brewery in Durango. And their beer is fantastic. Uh, I had a blonde that I absolutely loved. And then I doubled down and got their double juicy, which was like, I think a 9.75 and then I can safely say I was pretty much like done for the night. Like I was no more drinking. Do you have any that you want to add? You know, Abby's the beer drinker. Um, I am. So yes. I'm, I'm not such an expert on beers. I mean, to me, I like a decent beer now and then. You like a decent cider. But, okay, uh, don't, don't. But no, I mean, every now and then I, I, I have beer, but usually I'll, I'll drink a cocktail instead. So I'll let you be the expert on that. As far as divvying up travel responsibilities, I think we already talked about planning them. But in, yeah. on sort of day of stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm driving. I'm dealing with fueling up and and well, and, you're outside. I'm inside and packing up the outside and stuff. And yes, Nappy yeah. deals inside and kids. Yeah, that's really the best yeah. way to put it. You're the outside. I'm the inside, and that has worked out well for us. Sarah would like to know: Did we question if the full time nomad life was the right choice? How long did it take for you to settle in your new normal? Do you ever get homesick for the familiarity of your hometown, your favorite coffee places, etc.? Do you plan on traveling indefinitely until you find somewhere you love too much to leave or until the kids revolt? <laughs> yes to all of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have talked about, was this the best decision? There have been some hard times. There have been some dark times. There have been some bright times. And there have been some gloriously joyful times as as far as settling though into our our new normal when we got on the road though i think we settled into it pretty quickly oh and i have a very completely different memory of that i remember the first few weeks being impossibly hard and thinking to myself what have we done this is crazy you were still working in chicago yeah i wasn't counting those i I meant when we actually started traveling 
Okay, that's fair yeah. enough, but I'm really, you know, yeah. I counted but you're right. yeah. when we moved in, you know, when yeah. we upended our life and we moved into the bus, uh, we had too many balls up in the air and we didn't give ourselves enough space to breathe. And I really did question what have I done? What have I done to my kids? And are Jason and I going to survive this as a couple? Like it was incredibly stressful. Um, there's a lot about Chicago I miss on an almost daily basis. Absolutely. There are people I miss. There are things about the city that I miss. There are coffee shops I miss and restaurants I miss, but I miss them in a way that's nostalgic. I don't know that I would feel that same way if I was back in the city. We were pretty burnt out by the city when we left the city. So now, you know, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I do believe that there is a lot of truth in that when it comes to leaving Chicago. But do I, and I don't think you asked this, but, you know, do we regret? No, not at all. I would do it all over again if it meant that I got to this point right here and I was able to talk to you today. Uh, the kids, if the kids do a coup, then <laughs> we'll probably have to uh, pull everything up and, and find a place for us all to settle. Uh, but right but, now, but that is something we've made a clear line. Like if, if really the kids truly feel that way, yeah, like it's something we talk about over time. And there's a difference between being angry at mom and dad in the moment <laughs> and really, really, truly speaking yeah. from the heart. So yes, we're always open to whatever the future has in store for us. Is this long-term? I think this is long-term for Jason and I. Absolutely. I do not see us being ones to settle down after our babies plant their roots somewhere. I do not see Jason and I planting roots. We just have too many things we want to do. And we're always looking at the tiny trailers. And even if we did, we would still be traveling like 90% mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah, we would. We would just <laughs> have a place to have Christmas. Yeah. Rick Kessler would like to know, Rick, our friend Rick would like to know if it's still fun. Granted a gaping hole, <laughs> granted a gaping head wound and global pandemic have just a tiny impact on your lives. But my point is this, when full timing is your norm, does it become routine? Sorry if I'm bringing in the heavy, not sorry for the gaping head wound wisecrack. <laughs> no worries, Rick. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it, it, it's sort of, uh, it, it is still fun. It does become normal, though. I mean, it is our life. We're used to it for sure. But the excitement of like going to that new place and seeing something that we've never seen before is always exciting. Right. Do I tire of the sunset here in Colorado? No, uh, I do not tire of it at all. Am I already because we're getting ready to leave this area and move on? Am I already starting to feel a little bit of sorrow because we are leaving? Absolutely. Uh, that is just normal wrapped around an experience that's uh, maybe sometimes not normal in how, you know, or I don't even like to say that because I don't, I don't know how to define normal. I, I think that that's really hard to define. And so for us uh, as work has become more demanding and also more freeing, I think that life has really shifted for us. And, and as we've moved out of the bus there's definitely been a major shift and almost, I think, a little bit calmer shift in our family a little bit. As much as we loved Wanderbus, I think we can honestly say that towards the end, it was a real struggle. And so the trailer has brought some a little bit of calm in that storm. Uh, but, I, you know, I, sometimes I get bored. Sometimes I'm sure. like, oh, man, like, you know, the kids, everybody's fighting. It's just... 
Yeah. And there have been challenges in our lives, this pandemic and my, my brain surgery scenario, um, that have locked us down in areas for long periods of times. And those, those times are when it's particularly difficult to fight the boredom. Yeah. I mean, would I really like to feel some sense of my old life in, would I like to go to a target and walk around with a cup of coffee and, and just, just zone out for a while? Absolutely. I, the last time I did that was probably over four months ago, you know, but Sometimes you get a little cramped in here. I mean, certainly you guys have uh, seen me when I'm at my just most stressed when I kick you all out because I can't handle the clutter anymore. And I just start getting really, you know, snappy. Absolutely. But, you know, that's just part of life. I think I'd probably be that way if we were in a house. (laughs) John Lee would like to know. I'm not sure if it's John and Lee, a joint account, or if it's John Lee. But John Lee would like to know how we met. Just curious, love your chemistry. When I heard Abby say she waited tables as a second job as she was an actress, I wondered what you, Jason, were doing back in the day. I'm sure you did not always aspire to be a full-time camping podcaster, YouTube guy. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> but we we met in theater school. We went to um, Columbia College in Chicago together. I She was um, a musical theater major, and I was a design and technical theater major and uh, we didn't start dating then but later on in the theater industry we started working together and on a show and and we started dating then the rest is history <laughs> um uh, so i was doing lighting design production management set design that sort of stuff so um, when i was waiting tables and making drinks just in order to support myself as an actor Mr. Designer over here was supporting himself as a designer by being a designer. This is the discrepancy within the industry. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Well, you would pop over to the bar across the street from the theater you were full time working at <laughs> and serve as a, a manager. I can't believe you were like 24 years old. I cannot believe. They would send you over there to manage the Blue Bayou on a Friday night. Like, they were cheap. So. They were cheap, and you were easily bought. So, <laughs> and so it was. Jason was really, really super heavily immersed from leaving school in regards to making money in the industry. I was super heavily immersed in the industry as well. Actors just don't get paid. I as well. was hustling as a temp. I yeah. was hustling as a server. To make rent, which at that time I was only paying $475 a month for rent, but I had two roommates. Back in the day. But I had two roommates. So you have to imagine that apartment in Chicago in the early 2000s was still almost $1,400. And we were like three poor theater students all living together. Adrian would like to know um, how we approach road schooling. National Park Service sites and museums and cities seem to be a big, big part of your kids' education. I love daydreaming of road schooling our two kids, even if it's unlikely to ever happen. So we have done an episode actually on this of the podcast. And Adrian, I'm going to prop it into the show notes so you can go back and listen to it. We won't go into too much detail, um, but we have also written a couple articles. But you are absolutely right in what you said, that the national parks play a huge part in our children's education. We also use online options like outschool.com to bring education into subjects that they really enjoy, like Harry Potter, Wings of Fire. Um, You know, we also just kind of listen to the kids. You know, we really do uh, subscribe to a more unschooly, 
type of environment here. Um, but certainly sometimes they got to sit down and they got to hit the books. Uh, but you know, we're pretty eclectic and pretty just with the flow and it really do allow the environments that we're in to educate, not just the kids, but you and I as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Tom would like to know how we allocate our days and weeks for income earning work versus non-work activities, both in terms of time and task distribution. Do you schedule things or do you just work when you can? Do you divide weeks or divide days? For example, do you say Thursday mornings are for RV miles and Thursday afternoons is for this other thing, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I don't know, Tom, you want to come organize it for us? Tom, 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 please come show us your wise, wise ways because <laughs> we, we fly. I think Tom needs help with it too, so it's not like. <laughs> Anyone who's been listening to this podcast who knows that over the years it's changed on the days that it comes out knows then that we are always, always flying by the seat of our pants. We Part of us Always. owning a business allows us that we have the fortunate uh, opportunity to accept the fact that we have to be flexible and things will change. That's yeah. not going to work for people that work for a boss very often, but for no. us, we can do it. And sometimes we fail at it, but... I do always feel like we are chasing our tail sometimes a little bit or we're always behind the eight ball. No matter how hard we try to organize ourselves, something always comes up. And, you know, sometimes this life, because this life is ever changing, the environment is ever changing. We are always moving. Well, that's how our job is, too. Our job has to adjust. And so a really great example was actually today, the day we're recording this podcast, we were supposed to go do the Million Dollar Highway. We decided last night to shift all of that and move it to later in the week because we had some other things we wanted to get done and we wanted to be able to enjoy that, but we also wanted to be responsible. Those are the things that we're constantly shifting and playing with every single week. It's a nonstop game of chess. Now, Abby and I do uh, probably half of our work, if not more, in the evenings. Yes, um, so or I can, do it very early in the morning. I yeah. actually prefer to get up before everybody and try to get as many emails answered and as many uh social media things I need to get done, which it's a whole beast in itself, just that, just so that I can hear myself think before, whereas Jason, boy, he really finds his his fifth wind at like midnight. Well, I think for both of us, it is about not being distracted. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, living with the three kids, uh, they are a huge distraction. So if Abby can do some work in the morning and, we, and then I can do some work at night, um, that, that can be very helpful. And so that's probably the only real specific way that we organize it a little bit. Divide and conquer. <laughs> Finally, John wants to know how we decide where to go. I know Abby jokes that you aren't great planners, but do you just sit in Oklahoma city and say, Hey, let's head over to Charleston. Yep. Uh, we often do that. <laughs> yes. Uh, we often that's do that. Exactly now it's not usually that quick. It's not like we're going to go to Charleston tomorrow. It's no hey, let's go over to Charleston, you know, in a month and we're going to make our way there or in a couple of months or whatever. And and often it'll be based around something. So we get a really good site at a national park mm -hmm. campground that's hard to get or something. We'll put we'll book that and then we'll plan a route around getting there. Absolutely. Like we just scored Yellowstone. And I told Jason back last year when he got sick that if he made it through and he lived, I would take him to Yellowstone, the place he has wanted to go since we got on the road. And we are 
going to find ourselves in Yellowstone on almost the one year anniversary of his illness. And so we are booking and planning everything around that now. Oh, he's getting emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, hon, he's so happy that we're going. And so, you know, that was always a goal for us. We didn't think it was going to happen for 2020. We didn't think that was going to be a reality. But we have been able to make it a reality and do it in a way that we feel is safe. Uh, but now we piece out the next eight weeks knowing that at the end of August, we're going to go to Yellowstone uh, and celebrate one year of life with this guy with infection free. So that's kind of how we do it. It's a, it's a lot of where do we want to go? Where do we have to go? Did something just open up that we have an opportunity to attend? We'll be right back. The RV Miles podcast is supported by Hughes Autoformers, makers of the Power Watchdog Smart Surge Protector. Electrical surge protection is one of the cheapest insurance policies you can provide for your RV, and the Power Watchdog beats the competition with field replaceable surge modules. With other brands, when the surge protector takes a large surge or spike, you have to throw it away. The Power Watchdog can be brought back to life with one small affordable part you can replace yourself. It's the last surge protector you need to buy. Use the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, for 10% off your order at HughesAutoformers.com. That's code RVMILES for 10% off at HughesAutoformers.com. RV Miles is also supported by the Highway Weather app. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route, adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips, and more. Did we mention all of that's included free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. We'll provide a link to both Hughes Autoformers and the Highway Weather app in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 151. All right, well, it's time for our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment where we check the level of our tanks. But this week we decided since we were answering listener questions that we would actually ask listeners to provide us with their fresh tank and black tank for this week. And if you're wondering, well, I missed out on that. How did I not get to answer these questions? That's because we asked it over in the RV Miles Facebook group. So if you're not a part of the group, come over and join us because this is the kind of fun that we have. And some of these answers are black tank gold, fresh tank gold, some are really, really smelly. <laughs> so do you just want to like go through? Let's go back and, and forth. Okay. So, cause I look, I already got one. So, but you go, I'm just going to bounce all around this thread. Okay. Eileen's black tank brought her RV in for maintenance work last week before their big trip next week. They told them that they had the parts necessary to do the work. They were all ordered in January. Dropped it off last week. They called me today to tell me that the wrong window came in and that to put the slide awning on, it will also have to go to the body shop for painting. None of this I knew in advance. Ugh. Looks like I will be picking it back up with nothing fixed and going on our long trip with a back emergency window duct tape shut and no slide out awning. So I'll have to travel with a ladder to make sure nothing oh. is on top of the slide before I close it up each time. 
Ouch. Oh, sorry, Eileen. Sorry, Eileen. Eileen. <laughs> Eileen's fresh tank is that they are leaving next Tuesday for a three-week trip out east to Ohio, upstate New York, and Maine, and Massachusetts, Niagara Falls, and all that sort of stuff. Congrats, Eileen, for getting back on the road. All right, Max's fresh tank, The Mandalorian, season two. He dropped an article, Everything You Need to Know. I'm so <laughs> here with that fresh tank. And his black tank is Bureau of Land Management fires. Yeah, oh, it's the fires are rough this year. Yes. All right, you're up next. Beth's black tank is that it's not July 11th. And her fresh tank is that we leave on July 11th for four weeks to northern Minnesota. Fair enough. Tony's black tank. Didn't get to see a lot of people in the past few months. Fresh Tank. Didn't have to see a lot of people in the past <laughs> few months. Bonus. Oh. I don't have to be an adult very often. Tony is always good for a laugh. The man has a great play with words. So thank you, Tony, for that one. Mike's Black Tank is that the pandemic has really put a dent in their normal summer travel plans of visiting family in Central Oregon. But the fresh tank is that their inability to travel as they normally do pushed them to finally pull the trigger on their own travel trailer. And their first big trip will be to Colorado in late July to Royal Gorge, Garden of the Gods, etc. Congratulations. Congratulations. Beth. Beth's fresh tank Monday Night Live. That's awesome. Monday Night Live is what we do every Monday night over at Our Wandering Family. Beth, that's so sweet. She says, my circle is so small. So connecting with other people on the outside is awesome. Her black tank, the popularity of camping right now means we can't get last minute sites anywhere in our metro area. Chris Fresh Tank started our full-time RV living officially Thursday when our house went to new owners. And the black tank being getting the trailer organized and upgrading with the things to help improve our living. Congrats, Chris. We've been following your guys' journey uh, to full time and we're so excited for you. That's fantastic. Karen's black tank is overflowing and it stinks. <laughs> it's RV, the literal one. But RV related is we had to cancel our four month Canada US trip. Her fresh tank, the pool here at home is open. It feels great. And the yard and my gardens never looked so good. Lisa's black tank, drought conditions here in northern New Mexico. We hear you. Uh, it's absolutely dry to the bone here. The fires are one issue, but the fact that it is so dry, there's dust is a huge different issue. Uh, fresh tank, simple mills, almond flour, brownies, baking in the rice cooker. I had a lot of questions about that. That sounded super cool. And so she shared the information with me and we'll link to that in the show notes because that, I mean, anytime you can do something in the Instant Pot or the rice cooker that's beyond, like outside the norm, I want to know all about it. This will be our last one, but thank you very much to everyone. We had like 41, 42 comments, I think. So I wish we could read them all, but you don't want to be here for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Mary says, our black tank is missing museums. Our first 12 months out full time, we went to 57. We are at wow. the 10 month point of our second year and we've been to 13. I need a museum fix. I hear you. Her fresh tank at the time that she did this was three days ago. And she says, today is my birthday. We are feeling very at peace in Pierre, South Dakota. Today we are going to the South Dakota Heritage Museum and hopefully get inside. Plus, yesterday, I started celebrating by breaking my diet and had Supreme Pan Pizza from The Hut. 
Happy so birthday. Very worth it. Happy belated <laughs> birthday, Mary Lou Norris. All right. That's our Fresh Tank Black Tank for this week. If you'd like to read the rest of them, head on over to the RV Miles Facebook group and you can check them out there. Let's wrap this episode up with a new brain teaser. I can be cracked. I can be made. I can be told. I can be played. What am I? Howard, if you know the answer, <laughs> you send us a message. <laughs> we'll have the answer on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We absolutely will. Thank you so much for joining us this week. As a reminder, RV Miles is all across social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Of course, there's the RV Miles Facebook group. The latest episodes of America's National Parks and See America are now available for you to download wherever you listen to RV Miles. And if you have questions for Jason or I, we are at editor at rvmiles.com. And our going full-time series is still in full swing on YouTube, rvmiles.com website, and right here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next week. And until then... Keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody.